Hello, Cyberpunks. I'm your host, Brendan Lupus Damon Sandifer, and welcome to our Cyberpunk podcast where we discuss various cyberpunk media. With me today, we have Barry. Hello. Uh, Grim, who's possibly here. Randy. Hello. Sammy. Hello. And special guest, host of the GM Roundtable and GM for Cyberpunk Uncensored, Rob Mulligan. Hey. Rob, it's nice to have you here. Thanks for having me. Uh, so today we're discussing Cyberpunk Red, the newest pen and paper RPG by R. Talsorian Games. <clears throat> this game featured the change from a health pool to hit points, a reduction in armor stopping power, and the critical wound system. As with our 2020 episode, there will not be a spoiler warning because we don't have a plot to discuss. Uh, we do recommend listeners support our Talsorian by purchasing a copy of Red, especially if it interests you after this discussion. With that, um, we're going to go ahead and get on into it. So, um, personally, from my experiences, and I haven't done a lot of red gameplay. I've only really done the character creation. It, And I stated this in our 2020 episode. To me, it seems a lot more like a... a uh, if you're to compare it to Dungeons & Dragons, it's a lot more like 5e to Cyberpunk 2020's 3.5. Or even 3. Even uh, second, I would say even second edition is crunchy and yeah, for, yes. for the old school, you know, because like to me, twenty twenty is just so you know, fracking crunchy, you know, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, I, I, just... I think on the uh, twenty twenty stream, I said that it's more like the transition from AD and D to third edition, where they basically said, mm -hmm. okay, let's get rid of all these stats and make everything a base plus something. But I, I would go as far as fifth edition. Uh, like 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 you were saying, because uh, it it definitely has those traits to it. It it almost mimics some of those streamline mm -hmm. uh, functions or whatever. Um, and Rob, I know you've hosted several um, sessions, and if you'd like to talk about those, feel free. Yeah, uh, I do. Uh, for Cyberpunk Uncensored, I'd run. I mean, I've been doing uh cyberpunk and censored the brand now for over a year and uh mm -hmm. been non-stop i was running two teams at once weekly games going non-stop for over half of a year and then a monthly one shot that kind of is becoming an ongoing i have an, uh some of those other teams ended uh so now i have a new monthly ongoing with fellow streamers like wandering dm miss magitech and um, other friends my wife's in it um, and, and I also run a weekly Cyberpunk Red for Sirenscape on their Twitch as well. Um, so I'm really familiar with Red. Um, I used to be into 2020. That's my main, uh, you know, what, where I got started. I didn't start with the original as much as getting into it at 2020 when I was younger. Um, and then kind of lost sight of it, you know, like I think, uh, uh, you know, it just kind of trailed down in popularity over the years. You know, D&D &D just kept growing in popularity, became the huge thing. Um, I got back into that a bit. Uh, then so I guess the hype from the video game kind of shed light on Red for me. Because um, I was excited to see the video game, but I'm not into that as much. 
Mm-hmm. But when I saw that, it made me kind of, oh, sh- oh sh- shit, I remember Cyberpunk. And I started looking up, wait, what is red? What is this? And then that's when I started seeing what they were doing with that. I was like, oh, shit, let me let me check that out and get back into it, you know? Um, so that's how it kind of came about for me anyways. But, yeah, I'm really into red. I play it all the time now, you know? I remember back when this was before red came out. and Actually, this was back when, you know, 2020 was just being announced at E3 or had just been announced at E3. Not, not like it's very, I guess, 2018, probably the 2018. Okay. So you mean when 2077 was announced at E3? Yes. Okay. Um, and we started looking into cyberpunk 2020 and I was like, okay, well, what's this? How do you play it? And I was watching videos on it, but I still wasn't quite sure on how to play it. And I started coming up with a bunch of characters, because I always do that. I jump headfirst into character creation. Nice. Um, I made a fixer that I absolutely fell in love with. And um, it went from there. I know um, Sammy's character was... Also named Sammy. <laughs> uh, and we kind of built a whole relationship between the fixer I made and the net runners she made. And went from there. Nice. But you haven't played Red, you said? Uh, I've played a very little bit. And I've hosted just about as much. <laughs> what about everybody else? Um, um, I've got experience with D and D all the way back to third edition. Uh, I have played two twenty twenty games, although not complete games. Years ago, a few years ago, before I actually met this group, before I joined the FML production. Um, again, just like Lupus, we discovered Red. Uh, we've jumped into character creation. And we are planning a game, but we haven't ran a game yet. It will be next Thursday, I believe, is our first one. Mm-hmm. Session zero. Nice. Um, Randy, I know you have some experience. You have a Monday night session, I believe. Yeah, okay. Well, for starters, I've been playing 2020 since the mid-90s. Um, my, I had a four-year campaign that went from, I think, 95 to about 99 when my gaming group kind of exploded on itself. Um, And we first uh, heard about uh, Cyberpunk uh, 2077, I think in like 2012, 2013, when they first, very first announced that they were starting development on it. And we kept going to Artel Serving going, are you going to make a book? And they're like, no, we have no plans to make a book. We have no plans at this time. And then it was like halfway through development around 2016 where they said, yes, we're making a book and it's red. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so we, we all waited eagerly for that. We bought the jumpstart box when it came out, um, ran a session of the jumpstart. And then when the main book came out, we immediately dropped our normal Monday night campaign have been running a red campaign ever since. I think we're about 13 to 15 sessions in right now. Nice. And oh, are we hosed. 
<laughs> yeah, I have a feeling that they they kind of jumped into deciding on red after they saw the, how popular the video game was starting to build during mm-hmm. announcing on the development of that and possibly seeing the need to kind of connect that lore because they saw how far 2077 went from 2020. You know what I mean? They had to kind of separate that so it, the year made sense and the development, I think. It was just kind of a rebirth. I, that's how I picture it because all that lore connects, which is pretty cool. Well, yeah. it's like the third attempt at a, re- a rebirth. Because first you had Cyber Generations, which came out during the run of the 2020 books. And that was so-so. Then in about 1998, Artel Sorian basically went to sleep. Uh, Mike Pondsmith, the the head guy and the main creator, went to go work for Microsoft Games. um, And eventually came back and started to work on Cyberpunk version 3. Which was terrible. Yeah, everything was, after 2020 was bad up until Red <laughs> for me. Oh, yeah, but uh, Cyberpunk version 3 was a terrible book. Mm-hmm. I mean, the photos in it were action figures. <laughs> and the system was terrible. So we're all like, no. So, yeah. you know, when they started work on 2077, they hired Mike Pondsmith as an advisor. And I'm pretty sure that got his creative juices going. Right. And eventually he couldn't help but create Red. Oh, yeah. No, and I think there was a a need for it. And I think, you know, you you just kind of tapped into it without maybe not realizing. I don't know. But, like, you know, for a while they were a big fish in a small pond, you know. And they were, like, Mm -hmm. the – the other option on the other end of the spectrum to D and D, because you had your fantasy, you had your dark dystopian future. Shadow Run was somewhere in the middle, right? For people that would want to dabble mm-hmm. if they didn't like to keep their potions and magic away from their fucking cyberware and future shit, you know? Which is me. I don't like Shadow Run. Yeah. I like to keep that shit separate. I, but but I started I think that... as a Shadow Run GM, and then my my gaming group said, "Hi, hey, try this. It's Shadow Run without all the elves and magic." Exactly. Really? But um, but it's really like, man, you know, after twenty twenty, they just they became you know, just nothing, you know, they just, their popularity just kept going downward while D and D and other things. And I mean, so many tangents started coming out, started getting more and more popular. And I think, you know, after a while you have to kind of rebirth and kind of, you know, reshift and and redo your rules and consolidate and look to appeal to more masses rather than, you know, stay so extra crunchy or go back to what that was because, Man, I think that that would have, you know, been the wrong decision at that point. I think I, I'm I'm glad that what they did what they did with Red, um, because I think it really opened up the popularity to it. I don't think I think otherwise everyone would have just been on the video game, and then look how when the video game came out, it had like glitches and so many people were talking shit about it. So like, man, I think it it, it just I think everything would have <laughs> kind of fizzled out for it for the most part if it wasn't for everything kind of coming together, the lore all connecting, all that shit, you know. Agreed. I do personally feel like Cyberpunk, well, as you were saying, uh, after 2020, um, when everything started kind of going downhill for the Cyberpunk, or just for the gaming um, platform, I feel like kind of the genre also at that time period was on a downtrend. Where not everything was being, um, I mean, after Matrix, we didn't really see 
much of a resurgence of cyberpunk until several, I forget what movie it was that I, I remember seeing that started a, an uptrend again. But for a while there, there was just really nothing cyberpunk. People kind of moved away from that dark dystopian future. People kind of burnt on it, I think. I mean, it was, it was, there was a glut of it in the 90s that kind of culminated in the Matrix trilogy. And then after that, it just kind of drifted. Well, even before that, I mean, you know, Blade Runner and stuff, but most definitely, you know, it came up through uh, Total Recall and through Matrix and, um, you know, even, even little touches of Fifth Element, even though that touches a little bit of sci-fi because of the alien aspect. But, um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think fantasy just dominated, you know, and, and the, the whole sci-fi, which is to me like the umbrella where all, all of those are under cyberpunks and they're somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's its own genre, but it is kind of sci-fi in a way. But fantasy. Yeah. Um, but I think that, that that got, you know, okay. it's kind of coming back in, you know what I mean? I think it's mm-hmm. the, you know, because of the video game, because of what it is, it's whereas like gaming D and D has, has just been the godfather. It's just, like I said, dominated the gaming shit and it's where everybody has been, you know, look at all the famous people that stream it and play it. And it's just huge. But I think, uh, cyberpunk, uh, Star Wars, even Fallout coming out soon. And there's just more tabletop genres based away from the whole magic stuff and fantasy stuff, you know, that are getting more and more popular now. So I agree. I think it's coming back. And as far as film, yeah, it it started again. Like you saw like Altered Carbon and Death, Love and Robots and all these things kind of coming out where it had these dark sort of cyberpunk future vibes to them. And it was like, okay, cool. And like people were really loving it. Like the first season of Altered Carbon, it was like very cyberpunk. I feel second season that kind of fell off a little bit for me, but uh, I don't know. I think it's 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 all coming back, you know. Well, as a slight rebuttal to what you said, um, the gaming industry was horrible at the tail end of the '90s, and a lot of gaming companies didn't survive. TSR very nearly well. TSR wouldn't have made it through D and D if Wizards hadn't bought them. Yeah. Um, They were bankrupt and actively looking to sell by around 2000. Mm -hmm. And the only reason Wizards was able to buy them was Magic the Gathering. Right. But they did, and it kept growing, and it got super popular. You know what I mean? So we can talk about semantics, but I'm still correct in what I said. Yeah, it didn't (laughs) really take off, though, until a lot of the uh, streaming shows like Critical Role... And a lot of the other stuff started to appear on the internet. And it just suddenly started doubling and redoubling the amount of books sold and the amount of mm-hmm. hype. So there's oh, yeah. a good 10 years where it just kind of limps along. I'm and... being interrupted by a cat. I'm sorry. <laughs> Kitty! But yeah, between but, I mean... mainstream and dumbing everything down, D&D just became... It's accessible to everybody. Mm-hmm. And... D&D made some horrible mistakes, 4th edition, um, during that time. <laughs> I actually like 4th edition. Excuse the hell out of me. You're, you're one of the you're few, the few. You're the first person I've heard that says, I like 4th edition. I, I remember reading the 4th edition book for the first time, and I'm, I, my reaction was, you've got MMO in my tabletop game. <laughs> <laughs> 
I also missed Wildland and the Shard Mines and uh, some of the other races. That, that was they were only in fourth, and that's it. But then they came out with fifth edition with pretty much t with pretty much Wizards going, yeah, we're sorry for fourth edition <laughs> here. Hmm. Um, but you got to keep in mind, like just like to take it back to red and just and and similar, you know, to what fifth edition did. You know, they could keep it crunchy as hell, go back to the roots and satisfy the hundred grognards out there that are like, yes, that's what I wanted. Or they can completely make it inherit on some of the crunch and kind of simplify in tables and, you know, kind of build in the mathematics to have it make as much sense as possible so the game can streamline enough to kind of get more players, get more GMs, increase the popularity. I mean, fuck, that's what, you know, 5th edition did. That's what red is doing and i think it's the smartest move not just on a business side but just from a guy that loves playing it i mean it'd be so difficult to find players gms to stream to get sponsors to go and do other platforms with it i mean you would you would still just be have dnd for the most part for the real popular one if it wasn't for what what cyberpunk did with red i feel if they would have kept it super crunchy people would you know the young kids and younger people getting in like fuck that i'll just stick with the video games and shit <laughs> Well, and, you know, I liked when I, you know, when that's all I knew, when all I knew was Cyberpunk 2020, I liked the Super Crunchy, because it reminded me of my childhood playing yeah. 3.5 um, at my Few and far in between. Like, I hear you, and I'm with you, you know, and a lot of my friends are like, like some of my good friends are like, Will, Cyber Smiley, you know, Derek, who runs Data Fortress 2020, and... Um, mm -hmm. You know, I just, I, I know people that are like, they love 2020 and they're like, eh, about red, but like, I can, I can understand that. I see the, the reasoning behind it, mm -hmm. but, uh, just from all those other reasons that I mentioned is why I, I am on board with red in, in every way. Yes. Um, and I love it. I think I, you know, for me, I love the fact I can focus more on the role play, more on mm -hmm. the, the adventure and i can get more into it and get more immersed rather than worrying about so much goddamn crunch you know yes i, I agree with some of that i like the crunch i like mm -hmm. the simplification of hit points from the old yeah. system oh, that's crazy normally people they dislike that aspect the most oh <laughs> that's crazy no that's that's what i like what i don't like is the standardization of weapons mm. oh okay yeah, I was about to ask about that. What's funny, are you a car guy? Do you like cars? Are you I always refer Not... to like the people that like that that miss all the names of the guns and all those details are the like typically like I'm not a car guy. I give two shits. I don't have a car. Like we have a Honda Fit my wife has. She uses it to get to work. I work from home. I don't care, you know? Like but but to me the people that are worried about weapons remind me of like car people that like certain brands and things and rims and you know, like they want those details and things. But to me, like if I'm playing or I'm GMing and saying you were to tell me I have this type of gun and this caliber, it's like, it's like French to me. I don't even give a shit. I'm more worried about like the environment, the weather, like, you know, face value. I'd rather describe how the gun looks. Now to you, if you understand those different details of all weapons and things, you can picture it when someone says it. But again, like I'm not that type of person. And to me, it reminds me of like uh, cars, you know, does that make sense? Like that, that's all mm -hmm. my like. I don't know. Yeah. I, I get the word But it's not only like, you know, all the big calibers of bullets and stuff like that. It's also just having a, that wider variety of weapons, I guess. Because yeah, that was yeah. one of the big things in 2020 was, you know, you could literally have a gun for anything. 
<laughs> and I do mean anything. It also would be anti-personnel to anti-tank. But you have that in red. You know, you look at all the different ammo types. Look at all the different uh, attachment types. Um, you know, but they and, and you can still convert old weapons. You know, they made the tech ability to be able to invent and fabricate. So anything you can pull from any other book, you can kind of. Oh yeah, over yeah. If you're not patient enough to wait for all the chromes to come out, because black's coming, rust <laughs> is coming. There's going to be more. You know, there's going to be more. But, uh, but my, but you can always convert if you're that type of guy. But just me personally, I'm I'm not that type. Like it's all French. I'm, not I'm too more interested in the different types of ammos, attachments, and things for different situations. I'm I'm pretty satisfied with. I don't, you know, like for me, uh, 2020. There's almost too many. Like I have Morgan. I have all the original books. You know, mm -hmm. from back in the day. But, um. To me, like it's it's too much. Like I don't need a two D six plus one, two D six plus two, two D six plus three, two D six. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. just give me break them into categories, and then give me all the different weapon types that can do all the things. You know, or ammo types, sorry, and then give me all mm. the different attachments. So I'm good with all that sort of shit, man. Mix and match, and do you know? But I don't, I don't know. I don't need to have every little, yeah, no, you know, option for damage or definitely. Uh, one of the things I love about Red is how open it is, like that. All of the options are there, and you can customize it however you want. Yeah, and it's one of yeah, the things that draws me to red the most. Yeah. Yeah, you can pull in stuff from 2020, you know? I don't know. I don't think it's the same. The Dylan Streetmaster doesn't explode in your hand as often in red as it did in 2020. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they still have the jam thing. You know, the, the most thing that they have for, like, critic and weapon stuff is... You know, if it's poor quality, right? Like you're saving money buying it, then you have a chance anytime you get that critical or whatever. I, I don't have it right in front of me, but you, then it jams, you know, and you have to take an action to unjam it. But yeah, you're right. There's no like, uh, you know, going off in your hand causing damage or mm -hmm. a lot of, uh, you know, body location critical injuries to yourself on fails and things, you know, it's, it's for the most part you're doing it to others. But again, I think uh, you can homebrew little things like that if you really want to. But ultimately, man, like, it's deadly enough. I've had players die, you know, just playing as it is. So mm -hmm. I don't need all that. And to me, uh, like I said, if they can eliminate little pieces of crunch and then elaborate other parts that I'm more interested in, I'm happy. And, and that's what it kind of did for me. But I know it's not everybody, you know. Everybody has <laughs> the details of what they like oh, and dislike. Which, which brought me to my next question, actually. What parts of Red... In particular, do you want more punch, uh, crunch with? Sorry. Um, no, I just like that they expanded on the individual role or, you know, individual role life path stuff. I, I like, um, uh, you know, all the, the, like I said, attachment and ammo types and how they did uh, the night market um, sort of stuff between that and the bodega and Vendits and uh, Oasis. Like, I just like... Uh, to me, the more uh, immersive environment sort of stuff, I guess. You know what I mean? Rather than the details on, like, weapons and crunch of body type modifiers and how they, you know, if they didn't have the hit point system. Like, to me, all that stuff is, um, like, I'm glad they streamlined that. I'm glad they, you know, did the whole body and will chart to come up with HP and have that make sense and have it built in and streamlined. Um, I'd rather spend less crunch on that. But but I like that they, that they expanded some of the... Uh, you know, the lore aspect, the environmental sort of things, the things that don't matter to, like, combat or whatever, you know what I mean? So many pages of lore to read. So many pages. Yeah. <laughs> well, to me, not, not, and let me, let me say, like, not the, to me, not the lore that's, like, 
story. Like I don't like that because mm -hmm. I don't. I'm, I, I I never have my players interact with like Johnny Silverhand yeah. stuff back in the day and things oh, like. Oh yeah. It's too cheesy to me. You know, like read about it. That's cool if you're interested in that. But I'm not into it. I I don't I don't read all that. Like I, I skip over some of those pages or skim. But I like the lore when they go into like the different corporations, the Neo Corps, who's yeah. running it, the face of it, the timeline of Red, and how things kind of connect to 2077. I mean, that shit is awesome. You know. Or not. Everyone's quiet. I, no, I, I agree. <laughs> it is very cool, in my, at least in my opinion. Uh, I do personally love all the neocorps that kind of popped up now that Arasaka is, well, rebuilding. Mm -hmm. After the uh, bomb went off and Arasaka Tower. Spoiler for those of you that haven't played 2077 or 2020s trailers, campaign really? books. Yeah, everyone or... knows about all that shit now. They have to. <laughs> I, I'd hope so, but there's they still people that live under rocks. Yeah, if game. not, yeah, I was gonna say if they haven't heard that, then they're probably like, "Wait, what? Cyberpunk? What is this about?" <laughs> you know what I mean? It has to be like yeah, that. It's <laughs> true. It is very true. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I love all, all that that aspect of it. Like, I really like. Uh, that they dove into those aspects of the lore. It helps build the environment. It helps it be immersive, and you can feel it out. Like, I love the whole Blood Rain stuff. I love that they came up with the fourth corporate war, just nuking out Night, Night City, making it have to rebuild, starting over again. That way you're not just keep on going, and you end up just acting like it's a fucking sci-fi RPG at that point. You know what I mean? I, like I they had to, they they had to pull the it back. Book out for that. What's that? I still wish they'd gotten the third book out. For oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think, I think well, they'll probably dive into some of that those details. They'll probably I'm go sure back they and will. expand some of that because they, they're good at that sort of stuff. I know they're doing something on the High Riders and everything, so there's going to be all kinds of shit. But, um, yeah, I think, uh, uh, you know, it, I like how they restarted for Red because it allowed, like I said, the technology to kind of re reset in certain ways, the scarcity... I like what the whole thing that they did with nomads. Like now, nomads are all noble. They're in charge of, you know, transportation. Like I, I don't know. I picture them kind of noble, but they're just that they have that important role because they're in charge of all the transportation, sourcing stuff, and dealing with all that shit. And then you see as that gets back to normal by 2077, now nomads are almost like a gang again. You know, they're out of work in a sense is how I picture it. But I just I love just how that all that lore connects. Yeah, that's and, um, really see you too. And and red is almost like a, uh, like. To me, with after the fourth corporate war and how red is with uh, nuclear fallout and the blood rains and it's just kind of restarting, um, it's like on the verge of post-apocalyptic feeling. But then they pulled it back in, like Neocorps, everybody's moving back in, they're cleaning it up. And like, I don't know, it has a little bit of that grit and uh, danger to it without going over the line to be like fallout or completely uh, full on, you know? And I almost picture fallout as like, like not that it's connected in lore, but the feeling of that that tabletop that's coming out in the summer to me feels like it would go 2020 red and uh, to 2077, and then maybe fall out like another big fucking war, and then you know what I mean. It almost feels like it could trans transition to that. All the explosions, right? Yeah, no, not yes. just one. All the explosions. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, now, Rob, I know you personally use. Um, Roll20 when you're doing your sessions would you say that's probably one of the better platforms to use or do you still like prefer getting in person when you can and getting much, the pens and papers yeah, out yeah I would much rather be in person uh, and video in fact my, my first team I was running with last year um, 
a couple of the players lived locally. One of them right down the street, mm -hmm. actually, for me. We found out. We didn't know. We met online. We played, and I was like, wait, where do you, where do you live? Holy shit, that's less than a mile away. What the mm -hmm. hell? It was crazy. <laughs> but, but if it wasn't for the quarantine, we would have all gotten together. Mm -hmm. I would have filmed it and been streaming that way, and I think that would have been really cool and fun. Mm -hmm. But um, And I would rather do that because I'm, I'm pretty animated. I'm, I'm a hyper guy, you know? Um, and I, I, in person, I think I'm more fun when it comes to role playing, but I'm embracing the stream life, you know, and doing it all digital. And for me, roll 20 is the best just because it's free and mm -hmm. it's easy. And I, I just use it for the dice, the character sheet, the maps, you know what I mean? It's just very mm -hmm. simple for me to do all that, but I am looking into transitioning, uh, over to astral. It's another free platform, mm -hmm. but, uh, they allow animated maps. And oh, cool. uh, one of my sponsors is Lion Banner Games, and he's mm -hmm. making animated maps now. Um, so I might transition to that because I'm doing all these streams, and I think it would just be kind of fun to watch, you know, if they're animated. Yeah, so um, for those of you listening that don't know much about Cyberpunk Uncensored, there is a website you can go to. There's a Discord group that you can join. We recommend you do. Uh, they have all these free assets for GMs and players alike. Maps. Um, Rob, you made a campaign builder, I remember. Yeah. Yeah, we have all kinds of uh, cyberpunkuncensored.com. And um, you know, there's a bunch of links there to the live streams, all the things we do, because we host a bunch of other GMs, live artists, interviews. I have like the Deep Dive series, the GM Roundtable, the Night City Live series, just ton of cyberpunk stuff you know between twitch and youtube but i think the most useful shit is if you go to our site just look on the front page um there's the hashtag free stuff uh you'll see mm -hmm. it there and there is just a ton of community things I, I just have a bunch of people as part of my team uh from the discord and the cyberpunk uncensored groups online and they create you know uh auto uh calculating character sheets um program sheets uh, I mean, just too much shit to even name. I can't even think. There's just so much stuff there, and it's all free. It's awesome. Um, and yeah, I recently made a campaign builder uh, for GMs. You just follow the charts. It's all color-coded. You just roll a 1d10, and you can quickly put together a campaign. It's really awesome. I will say I, I have been using that for uh, creating different encounters or different possible encounters for the group um, but I have a start off in mind that's in very, uh, very inspired by the way you tend to start off characters, at least from what I've been listening to. Nice. Um, I'm not going to go in into the middle much of shit. <laughs> Typically, the yes. They start off like <laughs> naked, no weapons in a bathtub tied up. Does that sound right? <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> that's usually how I start my play. We had an ongoing <laughs> joke. They're like, they're always finding people in bath. Like they started, I started them mm -hmm. like kind of mid action, you know, kidnapped by the Yakuza in bathtubs, you know? And then yeah. there was a couple other sessions over the course of the year where they, people were in bathtubs <laughs> and they pointed it out. They're like, man, you're always putting people yes. fucked up. I remember when they found hollow and, um, yeah, the one bathtub. run they down hotel in the bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> There's no better start than starting in a bathtub full of ice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one way or another. Get Ripper Dock now. <laughs> yeah, but I like starting it, you know, right right into it. You know, I like a, a, a balance of role play action and all that. Mm -hmm. But 
I, I lean more towards action and, and the grit and the danger and the paranoia because to me that's what makes cyberpunk cyberpunk. Make it dangerous. Make it fucked up. You know, it shouldn't be all all role-playing interactions and everybody getting along. You have to build tension yeah. and present a lot of problems. And what better way than starting a campaign right in the middle of some shit, you know? Mm-hmm. They have to instantly work together and solve it and get out and then they'll feel more connected and then you can move forward. It's really cool. And if they don't, then you can always roll a new character. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's, I mean, character death is a thing in Cyberpunk. It yeah, warned yeah. you in the handbook. Which a lot more you com- get a trauma team account. Yes. <laughs> I think it's an important part, you know. Uh, there's a slight equivalent to potions in the sense that, like, med techs can make their you know, quick heal with, where it's not just a body stat, but with your will. And mm-hmm. like, there's things that you can do that are, you know, can help you along. But I agree. There's not like, you know, there's no cleric or somebody doing magic right on the spot. Like if you don't have the med tech, even trauma team card, they're not going to show up for possibly up to like six rounds later. And by yeah. then, holy shit, like somebody's going to stab you or shoot you or something, you know? So like, if you're in, if you're in the, in the mix of some serious combat, I, I think cyberpunk, yeah, it's, it's, it's really dangerous, you know? Like, if you're not the one to fight, you might want to look into evading and backing up, and, like, mm-hmm. it can get dangerous, and you can easily die. And that's part yeah. of it, though. I think that, I think that's fun, you know? Like, I think that's really fun. Like, you want to be invested in your character, right? But Yeah. Um, but I think that's part of the fun of Cyberpunk, is, like, holy shit, I can't believe that ha- happened. It feels cinematic. It's, like, it's crazy, and then you, you come up mm-hmm. with a new one, you know? That, that you intertwine from that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> If the life of your precious character isn't constantly in danger, there's a problem. <laughs> well, and I remember a conversation we've had with Randy before, um, which was, I believe this was our 2020 episode, um, but he was saying, as a GM, if, you're, if your GM asks you, are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> Don't say yes. Right. <laughs> the GM will occasionally be nice enough to say, think this through. Don't get yourself in the, your entire team wiped out. Yeah, sometimes I don't like to be so obvious. Are you sure you want to do that? But I'll, I'll repeat what they're going to do. Like, I won't just mm-hmm. do it. And hopefully they'll catch on to that. Catch at least on a little and be like, wait, wait, this is my opportunity to kind of rethink this. Like, I won't make it obvious, but I'll say, okay, so you guys are all going to go do this, right? You know, yeah. and I'll just give them one last chance. But I'll be real kind of cold about it because you don't want to, you don't want to give that full player agency. Um, I think it was Guy, uh, the great GM, um, part of this product launch I'm getting ready to do too. I'm, I'm excited to announce, but I can't just yet, but I got some news coming up soon. But um, oh, don't but he, please. I know. But he was saying something along the lines of like, you know, you, you either say yes or you say no, but... To characters, you know, because you mm-hmm. want to give them agency, but protect a little. But that's coming from a fantasy side, and I think cyberpunk it's 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 always yes, you know. What I mean, like cyberpunk you want to let players, always yes. Let the players do whatever the hell they want. Now, there's going to be rewards or re- repercussions because of that, but you should be able to do whatever you want, whenever you want. You have complete free will. It's like reality, you know. <laughs> On that note, have you ever had a player do something so blatantly stupid <laughs> that you're just like, oh, they're dead? Yeah, well, there there was, and I, I, I used a little bit of uh, fudging to try to help, like, you know, a little bit of role-play action to make things happen. There, Luckily, they had other teammates doing certain things to manipulate other NPCs, and, like, I could I could work it out and just get them really 
hurt <laughs> without completely mm-hmm. fucking him up. But this was in the early stages of this character. But along the the timeline of all these streams and games, you know, I play with a lot more experienced players and and stuff. And I just uh, I'm just completely, you know, I tell them right at session zero, like I I play hard, I play real, so just mm. play smart, you know. And like we yeah. we go at it. And I've had player die before him but he told me you know he was like hey look i'm gonna play this rocker boy like a cocky bastard i know he's not doesn't have a heavy body he's not a tough guy but that's how he, he is and i gotta role play him right and i was like dude role play him the way he's yeah. gonna be so he's like what the fuck you know i'm david noir like you know and he played it like that and that, that was his name in my ongoing one shot and he ended up uh, getting killed but he knew that was gonna happen then he made a new character and it was a lot of fun you know yeah and i remember david because i've watched several of those one shots Nice. Actually, I think I'm all caught up on the one shots, but um, yeah, I can you remember how he David. played. You know, he, play, <laughs> he played hard. He played like a cocky rocker boy. You know, when other people are being tactful, mm-hmm. how are we going to break into this? You know, I'm gonna the net runner and fixer sneak up to the wall and try to see if they can detect the system. Uh, the solo played by uh, Terabella Pondsmith, uh, mm-hmm. one of the Pondsmiths. You know, um, and she's trying to go in the side and shoot her way through a sidewall to create her own way into the backyard. And while everyone's trying to figure out a sneaky way to get in, David Noir is just like goes right up to the door, bang, bang, bang. Hey, don't you know who I am? Open the fucking door. I'm David Noir. You know, like, yeah. it's like Jesus, like I can't <laughs> save you, man. You're crazy. <laughs> but he got, yeah. you know, he lost a, a hand. Another episode, he did another critical injury where he lost his other hand. I was like, holy shit. Uh, you don't want to be Johnny Silverhand. You want to be Johnny Silver Hands. Yeah. And then he was like, no, no, I want to be Johnny Silver Man. Like, I'm going yeah. for it. Like, I'm, I'm balls to the wall. Yeah. That was, um, I believe, the first two one-shots you did. With <laughs> it was. It was the first two sessions we had. He yeah. was getting critical injuries. Lose one arm, and then next session, lose the other. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> but it was fun. He, he, play, he role-played that character the way, it, you know, he wanted to, and it mm-hmm. was. It was good. And it's, I mean, as a speaking from previous DMing experience and then sort of GMing experience, it's nice to be able to let your players, even though they know, hey, this will probably get me killed, but this is how this character acts. Mm -hmm. It's nice to just let Mm -hmm. them be able to show that character and how they act, even though they know, I'll probably end up dead, but this is going to be fun. Exactly. That's how I've uh, done that multiple times. <laughs> oh, you have? I have personally. I have personally uh, play, role-played the character in such a way that I, I know this is going to get me shot in the head or an arrow in my back or a right. boulder over my body, but I'm going to do it because it's what the character would do. Exactly. Yeah, yeah my, si- yeah. my Sirenscape weekly game, uh, Phil who he's part of Roll the Cast and Baby Beard Media. He plays a solo on that team. Um, and he's kind of playing that the same way, kind of dark, mysterious, just kind of cold, but kind of like a badass. And he's like, I'm going to play him like that, even though whatever rank he is, but he's going to be like that to everyone. He's mm-hmm. like, so don't be scared. Like, if you have to kill him off, if he gets hurt or whatever, like, play at night. I said, oh, you don't even have to tell me, dude. Like, I'll kill him. <laughs> you know, but I'm just like, but, yeah. but, I, but, you know, I tell him, like, I'm going to play it real, you know, and he's going to role play it real. And, like, if there's a clash, if things happen, the dice fall where they fall. That's how it happens, you know. But but I like that. Like I said, I think it's a lot of fun. And I, I appreciate when players role play the character the way it, it, it should be. I don't like when um, you play it too smart or tactful where, like, you know, you're changing 
how the player reacts to things based on how getting the best outcome to, to solve that problem or whatever. And to me, like, that's fine, but th that's not role playing. Like, you, you're 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 supposed to be like that character would be, and like, don't you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Don't play, don't play into it. Don't change the character to suit the team. Right, mm -hmm. right, or the or the situation. Yeah, yeah. Barry, you haven't said I love this podcast. Have you got anything to either say or to ask Rob or anything? Um, I mean, um, going off what we were just talking about, character death does kind of um, feel bad when it's just sprung on you sometimes. But if you've decided that this is the hill your character will die on if he has to, then, uh, yeah, that does make sense. So if, if you've decided... I will die on this hill for what I believe in, and there's this stuff going on that's... I need to do this in order to let this happen. There's no way around it. That kind of character death, I'm fine with. But if it's just uh, one die roll, whoops, character's dead, then uh, I got a little bit of issue with that. Yeah, but you gotta keep in mind, it's never gonna be one die roll. I'm saying, yeah. if that's the way the die fall, meaning, meaning, you know, you're rushing a bunch of solos or a bunch of, a bunch of drones... And they're beating the shit out of you, but you just keep going at it, and you yeah. keep losing hit points, and you're like, "Fuck, dude, it might be time to retreat," but they don't, and you're like, "Well, fuck." I mean, the drones aren't gonna yeah. retreat, so you just yeah. keep rolling the die, and then they die. It's never oh. gonna be just one die, unless it's like a car accident, sixty-six, and they're super squishy, no armor. But um, and, and then you might want to fudge it if it's an early session. But you know, yeah. it's it's decisions, man, decisions. If the player's making the decisions, you gotta react proper. You can't be too cushy. You know, it's not D and D; it's cyberpunk. Yeah, I think. Barry is still a little from our Call of Cthulhu game. Just oh, a cool. bit. Uh, we basically did the session. And Lupus being the dickhead of a DM <laughs> the um, We were getting in our car to leave the scene and have the session finished. And Lupus is like, Barry, roll. <laughs> <laughs> and because the car got in acid or something from the poltergeist yeah, ghost yeah. thing and he literally had what was it two hp no i one had HP? one i had one, one. Yeah. <laughs> so his role, was, the tap. his role was literally 50 50 chance do you live or die <laughs> damn i only did that because i knew you had two people in the car that could stabilize you <laughs> <laughs> that was still a dick move with a capital dick move. <laughs> yeah, well. Hey, look what look what happened with uh, uh, David Noir. They rammed the gate. You know, he was already in, like, critical wound situation. Mm. Then they rammed the gate to get out, mm. causing that critical extra five, putting him over. There's enough people there, like, in the RV, and they pull over, and ev everyone failed their first aid check just to stabilize him. He couldn't even stabilize mm -hmm. himself. I mean, it literally was, like, it came down to, it, like, death save bonuses each round. Eventually he failed it, but, like, everyone kept failing first aid, even you really? and Luck and everything. It was like, well, what can you do? When you the know? dice it's, fail that many times, it it's goes. karma saying, no, you are done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the other thing I uh, wanted to ask, which I think that might 
something that might help out a lot of people playing Cyberpunk is I commented on Session Zero last week. I haven't seen Session One yet because um, between Twitch streams and, and uh, role-playing games, just so busy. Um, but um, how do you get a cop or a corp to mesh with um, the rest of the team easily? Uh, well, you know, I did a Session Zero for the Sirenscape team and for the cyberpunk uncensored team the cyberpunk uncensored team has the exec they have a media mm -hmm. a lawman a fixer um a nomad and what i did with them is i put them together i had them do the, their life paths and you'll see in session zero how i intermixed all their life paths so they can all know each other in one way or another and through that collectively they're starting a neocorp a media company that they're naming Veritas, which is like the truth. It's Greek for that. So they run a media company. So they each have their kind of responsibilities, her doing all the business management and dealing with sponsors and things like that, that advertisers that pay the bills. They have their firehouse home base that they converted very Ghostbuster style. Um, that's where they're running their business out of. They all live out of, and they have to make that 8,000 a month paid for by advertisers, basically meaning they have to break at least one good story a month. Mm. So kind of pulls them in they have to do that to survive and it's like you just tie it in now with sirenscape i have the team the same way intertwine the life path you can see that session zero on the sirenscape twitch and youtube uh but they all work for district pd i invented this thing called district pd it's a new thing the city is trying to help and the normal ncpd kind of get can get grips on all the crime and shit going on however you know it's it's on thin ice like you know the council's always threatening to pull funding if they're not taking care of their district so obviously shit happens the team works for district pd as a sort of off the books team helping district pd the chief nash you know solve mysteries crimes in the district off the books so they can get away with some fucked up shit just to make sure they can solve these things to keep district pd funded mm. um so you just have to find creative ways to have it make sense tie in life path together uh don't be scared you know just think outside the box everyone's always like oh you're edge runners you work getting randomly hired, you check the job boards, or you work for this, you're just a team, but you know, they can start a company, like a media mm -hmm. corporation like I did, or they can think of something new like District PD and they work for an off the books investigation uh, group for that. You know, like you can, I don't know, create things and, and have it make sense. But mm. um, but that's how I did it with the exec anyways, is I, I created the me media corp, the Neo media corp that they're doing. Um, and you know, each each has kind of a position. Um, so also, uh, tangentially related to that is after I saw your session zero last week, I was thinking if they're in a building that isn't rated for living in, like, uh, staying all day, all night, sleeping, whatever, how, how would you get around that in such a way that it's still like only bending the rules, not completely breaking them? And I, I remembered once I was... I forget where I was on vacation. Um, I was on vacation somewhere, and I was able to take a tour of is either a battleship or a submarine, or I forget what. And I remember they had... Um, there were these, like, uh, the, the areas where the crew would sleep. is It was like a narrow corridor, about uh, maybe two feet wide, and then there were just these curtains on either side, and you move the curtain aside, and there's, like three high of these small it's like a shelf with just um a, a little cushion a pad 
um, that y you sleep on. It's like a little teeny bed. And um, it's not really um, a great sleeping area, but it's a place to lie down. You got a curtain for privacy. And if something like that is in, like, an office building, uh, especially with, like, drapes to, you know... Um, obfuscate the fact that there's a cushion under there, especially if you put a hinge in the back corner so you can uh, fold it up so you can use it like a shelf during the day, then that could kind of get around it, kind of, sort of. And I just felt like, uh, if I could mention that to you, I don't know if you're going to use it or not, but just, I had the thought. Uh, well, the media corporation, they... they... They uh, rent this uh, abandoned firehouse from this, and another neocorpite created the equal rights properties, ERP, um, which is like independent investors trying to basically renovate uh, less desirable locations, one building at a time, and not selling them to chains and things, but independent people like this neocorp media corp that my team is trying to start up. Um, so, but it's month to month. If they fail on the eight thousand a month, they're booted. It's very strict. <laughs> they have to break these stories to satisfy the uh, advertisers to pay the yeah. bills. But the fact it's in a firehouse, they have the whole bottom level garage community room. The second level is a big community room, two bedrooms that don't have to be, but there's enough players there. One is taken one of the rooms. Top level is all the bedrooms. Then they have roof access. But um, they run the business out of the bottom level for the most part. But they're they're mobile. Uh, a lot of the times, you know, they have their adver advertisers, mm -hmm. but they're always pursuing uh, leads and, and well, it's they're called rumors in red for media, right? Ah. So that's what they're doing. And the, um, but I like uh, but I like those bed bunks idea. That would have been handy. My last team, they were uh, looking <laughs> to con convert these uh, uh, cargo containers ah. um, into a livable spot so they could use the warehouse to kind of run business out of. Yeah. Um, and that would have been kind of cool little fold outs, you know. Um, but yeah, also, uh, with what you mentioned about the firehouse, that's rated for living in. Um, and I mentioned that because um, last summer, uh, some of my friends were doing something and they were using a space to live in that wasn't rated for living in and they kind of got in trouble with that. So. Oh, really? Yeah, so uh, I've kind of been, uh, at least subconsciously, keeping a little bit of an eye out for is it like a little something over here and over there when I look online for stuff just for, um, is there a way to circumvent that and slash or, um, I don't know, something else. So, uh, just because of that, it, between that and uh, the stuff I heard last, last week in your session zero, I was like, Oh wait, how would I, how would someone get around that? And then I thought of what I saw in the submarine or the battleship or whatever it was. It was at least 10 years ago. I, I forget. It's been a long time. Um, but, yeah, also, uh, something else I thought of is if there's anything you were going to mention that's, like, not something that's public knowledge now. Because I was planning on putting this live within 24 hours. And if we got to postpone that a little bit, we can postpone it maybe a week. But past that, I don't know. Uh, no, I don't. I don't uh, there's nothing I can uh, say just yet. Um, we're uh, we're launching uh, some products, some really cool products, and we're working on different. Uh, we've got other brands and um, um, streamers and just different people that we're we're partnering with and licensing with and things. So that that'll be coming up. But that won't be for like another month. All all uh, just starting up next week. Starting the whole month of May. I'm. 
um, going to be a little bit missing in action because I'm, I'm also a filmmaker. I get hired to mm-hmm. do film stuff, and I'll be all of May working on a film, and then I'll be back in June. And June, we'll be back into the Sirenscape weekly stream, the monthly stream I do for Cyberpunk Uncensored, and we'll be launching the products then. So all the way, it won't be until June until we do like a proper announcement and promos probably mm. for like a summer release. And then I'm also planning a 24-hour uh, stream. Oh. I'm going to do a game. Uh, it'll be for charity. I'm working on different uh, uh, partners and things, but I'm going to try to do a 24-hour one-shot for Cyberpunk. Oh, It'd be kind of crazy. Busy, busy, busy. <laughs> so, Randy, did you have anything you wanted to say? No. I think we covered most of everything I wanted to say. All right. Okay. Oh, fair enough. I just wanted to make sure everyone got to say something because we're close to the end. Um, and, Rob, when you finally do launch, I mean, of course, Sammy and I will see the notifications, but we'll put something out on our Twitter as well to kind of help plug that. Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks. Um, This is about the time where we start wrapping up. So um, starting with Rob, since you're our special guest, where can we find you? Um, In Twitch and YouTube uh, are the main places. We stream live on Twitch, obviously, uh, Cyberpunk Uncensored. And then on YouTube uh, is where all kind of we VOD all the live streams. We also create content direct for that. We stream multiple GMs, like I said, all, all kinds of different series and things. But um, but if you go to cyberpunkuncensored.com, you'll see links to you know all those social media pages. Plus, you'll see all those free assets that are there and sponsors. We have uh, uh, some sponsors there on the partners page, like Cyberfight Clothing. And uh, there's a discount code on the partners page, so you can get, uh, you know, cyberpunk style shirts and stuff at a discount, which is kind of cool. Uh, but that's the main spot to kind of hit up, and you can spider web out from there. <laughs> um, Barry. Uh, yes. If you want to find more of me, <clears throat> excuse me, you can find me at K H Z H A K on YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. I don't do much streaming or uploading myself, but the related channels and my hosting is uh, where you can find me on my friends' channels. And I generally try to keep my Twitter safe for work, but my pin tweet is not. So, um, yeah. Uh, who's next? Uh, Randy. Yeah. I don't stream much, but you can find me on Matt and Aaron's channels between 11.30 and 1 p.m. Playing video games, and particularly these days, Borderlands uh, 2, Phasmophobia, and Conan Exiles. And you can find me with them Sunday nights at 8ish p.m. on the Lord of the Rings Online stream. Also, you can find me on the Unearthly Podcast Wednesday nights at 10ish p.m. where we talk about all things Doctor Who. Alright, so for the rest of us, um, you can find... Well, first of all, you can find Generation Cyberpunk on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch by searching Gen Cyberpunk Pod. Our YouTube channel is Generation Cyberpunk, and we have a Redbubble where you can get an awesome Generation Cyberpunk face mask. Um, just search Gen Cyberpunk Pod. If you want to hear more from the five, the five normal um, people on this show. Uh, you can check out the Thanks for Nothing podcast over at FML Productions YouTube channel. We also do various D&D campaigns on that channel and are in the process of making an animation. Um, 
if you want to donate, we do have a link on the or a co- coffee link on the uh, Things for Nothing podcast. Uh, those donations are welcome, but they're no by no means necessary. And uh, next week, we're going to cover Total Recall, the 1990 film with Arnold Schwarzenegger. So you'll get to hear me do a really bad Arnold accent. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> and uh, until then, we will see you later, Cyberpunks. See you later, everyone. Also, as a side me. comment, if you go to look at the mask on Redbubble, if you do the right clicks, you can get on pretty much anything else they make. Correct. So, yeah, uh, plenty of good stuff. Ha, 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 ha.